sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today, hour two of our show here on this Wednesday, October the 7th, 2020. We have Major League Baseball starting in one hour from now. Will there be fireworks between the Braves and Marlins? Or, simply put, will this just be a game that everyone forgets what happened yesterday? I doubt that. We'll get into that here on the show. Of course, we have COVID issues in the NFL, which are derailing one team in fantasy football this year, and that is the Tennessee Titans, but yet another team could be on the brink of maybe a postponement as well. And in addition to that, Joe, we have a quarterback change in the NFL, and unfortunately for the Washington football team, things do not seem to be going very well for the young kid who they drafted out of Ohio State a couple of years ago, and now they are going to be turning to their backup quarterback this week. Yeah, they are. And this change was not shocking. Uh, I think this regime had a lot of skepticism about Dwayne Haskins to begin with, and that's why they brought in Allen. And I was actually more surprised that they didn't try to bring in Cam Newton. I thought that would be where Ron Rivera might go, but maybe he just felt like, you know what, it's time for a change here, and I don't want to bring in the Cam Newton circus to the scenario. I want to kind of start fresh here. And I can understand that thought process, and who knows? They could be on the precipice if they continue to lose games at the rate they are, Craig, of getting another quarterback. And that's probably where things are headed and where things are going. Uh, there's a very funny meme uh, going around from the movie Get Out where Robert Griffin III was talking to Dwayne Haskins after the game and basically telling him, get out of Washington. Uh, so we'll see if Dwayne Haskins gets another shot eventually this year with this team or eventually somewhere with somebody else. What I've seen in, so far in the short amount of time of Dwayne Haskins is – you know, a lot of inconsistency, a guy with good athleticism, but so far is falling short at the quarterback position. Craig, but do you think that Haskins is going to maybe get a life with another team at some point in time, or do you think he might be done? I think he'll get another opportunity, whether it's with Washington or someone else. I think it is too too soon to determine that. His mm -hmm. supporting cast is not good offensively, and it's just sort of been a mess at the at the offensive line position. I know they have a good receiver, maybe maybe two, and, and Gibson mm -hmm. has looked pretty good, but I don't think it's fair to just completely write him off. But it is the right thing for Washington to do moving forward. And, and look, they do have an opportunity, and I think that Ron Rivera looks at the division and says, you kidding me? We're one win away from being in this wrong. thing. We can't give, He's not we wrong. can't give it up. And so and, why, and why look, not give it a shot? And this week, the Eagles play the Steelers. So, I mean, let's not pretend like all of a sudden, like the Eagles can't lose again. I mean, that's the thing. You're looking at the schedule right now. And, and yeah, theoretically, the Dallas should roll the Giants. But really, are they going to? I mean, at this point, yeah, okay. what faith do you have in Dallas? If you're the Washington football team, why not you? And I think that's probably the more of the impetus for this change would be correct. But look, I know there's more stories and headlines to get to, but this is definitely a big one. And uh, it's going to be fascinating to see if Kyle Allen can play well enough. I know last year he had a couple good starts and then the wheels kind of came off there with Carolina as he was filling in over there, but we'll see what happens in the second round for him. Yeah. And, and look, he was good for a few weeks last year. Let's not forget that. And by the way, Washington announced that Alex Smith is now the backup and Haskins is third. So Haskins mm -hmm. will take a seat for a few weeks and then we'll see if we see him later on in the year. If Washington falls out, that probably would be his opportunity. All right, let's go through it. That's the headline to start the day as Allen now in Superflex Leagues becomes a pickup because of the game two quarterbacks. 
and there are issues around the league. Kyle Allen's going to be starting for somebody in Superflex Leagues this week for sure. Las Vegas Raiders have a positive COVID test. There hasn't been any scuttle about them postponing or doing anything else, so we'll have to stay tuned there. Tennessee Titans, two more positive tests coming in for COVID-19. There's no question at this point their game coming up this weekend against the Buffalo Bills is in jeopardy, and NFL Network is reporting that they may have practiced when they shouldn't have this past mm. week, too. But again, that's just a report, so we'll have to see how that plays out. But Titans could be in jeopardy of not only having to not play this game, but losing a game and losing a full fantasy week for the Tennessee Titans. That would be tough. Patriots, Stephon Gilmore, arguably one of the best defensive players in the NFL, is the latest Patriots player to test positive for COVID-19. So he will not be on the field this week. Cam Newton will not be on the field this week. And there is video going around of Gilmore interacting very close up and personal with Patrick Mahomes at the end of the game last week. There is concern there uh, as well. Alex Bowman takes over Jimmy Johnson's 48 car. Johnson's had a fantastic career, Hall of Fame NASCAR driver. The New York Rangers made their first overall selection in the NHL draft, 18-year-old Alexis Lafrere. He is the first pick, and then Marlins and Braves start in one hour from now. So that's where we'll start today, Joe. We'll have the injuries coming up next with uh, Dr. Chow, but uh, certainly the COVID NFL season is well underway. (laughs) It is. It is inevitable, Uh, but certainly exciting also to think about some uh, Marlins Braves today. I think there's a little bit of juice going on with that series. Teams don't like each other. I like this. I want to see competitive baseball where teams are really going at it, and there's aggressiveness, everything they took the greenies out of the game. They took the rivalries out of the game. Nobody's got all this extra juice going through them, but all of a sudden these two teams do. And I find that kind of exciting. And I want to see Pablo Lopez get a W today. And I want to see this series get extended because I want to see Sixto Sanchez pitch a meaningful game. That's what I want to see because that kid's been a great story this year in the shortened season. There's no doubt about that. And look, I think you're looking right now is the Marlins. You're thinking, okay, we've got something to build on here. Aguilar had a good season. You know, maybe you get Marte here long term. We'll see if you can get him healthy next year, right? He's not a free agent, is he, Marte? I think he's got another year on that deal. One more year with him. All right, so there you go. Maybe the Marlins are going to be something. Hey, they're in the playoffs. My Mets are not. This is 2020. So there you go. So good for you, Marlins. Go beat those Braves. I'm rooting for you today, kid. Well, we'll see what happens. They definitely have to win. I don't see them winning three straight against Atlanta. Then again, I didn't see them having 18 players out with COVID and making the postseason. It's been a wild year for sure. All right, coming up next, injuries to the Buccaneers have certainly ravaged fantasy lineups thus far. And also, the Joe Flacco era begins. The Jets, Dr. Chow, is on next. Football Doc weighing in on all of it. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports today, as we always do on Wednesday, our first look at the NFL injury report for the week. But our look comes courtesy of Dr. David Chow. You can follow him on Twitter at ProFootballDoc and go to ProFootballDoc.com each and every Sunday and Thursday covering the NFL games Monday as well. I can't leave. Maybe even Tuesday at some point. Who who knows, Dr. Chow? We could have that certainly this week, but it's great to catch up with you here again. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. 
Well, Dr. Chow, uh, let, let's let's go first and foremost here where we stand with the Tennessee Titans here and uh, and COVID-19. Uh, they have made progress over the last week, and certainly it appears that their game is in line to play the Buffalo Bills coming up this week. But in, in terms of this, look, I can only speak to baseball. What kind of competitive disadvantage will Tennessee be at coming up this weekend? Well, you know, everything is going as scripted. You know, after the five to seven day incubation period, there were six days of straight positives and now two of negative. And I talked about it on my Monday podcast. This is going to form. And if they get a Wednesday morning negative as well, they're going to be allowed to come back into the building a little bit. So what helps them is essentially they've had a bye week. So they've had rest. What hurts them is they haven't been in regular routine. And the question is, how many of those up to 10 players that tested positive will they have in practice and will they have in the Buffalo Bills game? So like a lot of things in life, there's an upside and a downside to what's been happening. But it does look like the outbreak was isolated to that weekend contamination. And that bodes well for the Bills game going off as scheduled this coming Sunday for week five. Yeah, certainly does. And we'll have to keep an eye on it Thursday, Friday, as we go into the weekend for sure. Well, two players that we know, Dr. Chow, are not going to be active this week. That's Austin Eckler of the Chargers and certainly Nick Chubb of the Cleveland Browns. Do you would you feel at this point that one player is injured more than the other? Do you feel any of them should be cut? I know that injured reserve certainly is in play for these two players. Could you specifically talk about those two players Maybe if you have uh, better optimism on one than the other uh, later in the season. I have better optimism on Nick Chubb than I do for Austin Eckler. The great news on Austin Eckler, that he's right now said to be four to six weeks, and that's great news. I would take kind of the over on that four to six weeks, whereas Nick Chubb has been reported to be six weeks and already put on injured reserve. But I think he can beat that timeline. Austin Eckler hasn't even been put on injured reserve yet, not because he's not going to, but because the Chargers haven't made up their mind yet on the corresponding roster move that they will make when they put him on injured reserve. Thursday night football, uh, Dr. Chow, is coming up here real quick. And what we're starting to see is this combination of teams giving players extra days off and also being extra conservative with players being hurt. So that being said, you saw Dr. Chow on Tuesday's practice report, almost all of the offensive weapons for Tom Brady didn't end up suiting up. Uh, O.J. Howard's also been placed on injured reserve. What will the Bucks look like on Thursday night, Dr. Chow? Will they have Mike Evans? Will they have Scotty Miller? Do you think there's a chance Chris Godwin could play? Well, that's a very good question. And yes, sometimes players and teams get rest uh, during the short week. But uh, Mike Evans, I have my worries about. I think he was heroic to play through that high ankle sprain uh, that he got early in that game on Sunday and was swelling in a short turnaround. Right now, early thought, I'm dubious on Mike Evans. I would be very careful on him. Chris Godwin is an unknown based on the type of hamstring strain, but it's in some ways you could make the argument, well, he could play on Thursday and he has 10 days to rest. But the better argument is probably rest him on Thursday, and he now gives him a full three weeks 
to get healthy from that hamstring from the from the first injury since he missed. So that's why I think Chris Godwin probably be out. I think Scotty Miller is your most likely to play. Well, we'll take a look at that on uh, Thursday night. Certainly that's coming up uh, very quickly, Dr. Chow. All right, so the the interesting Monday uh, extravaganza that went down with Devontae Adams, who, who sent out a tweet saying that he was not going to be able to play, and then he deleted the tweet. And certainly they're saying, they're saying, Dr. Chow, that this was out in abundance of caution in terms of his injury. The Packers honestly didn't even need him in that game. We'll get to the Falcons here in a minute. Uh, Devontae Adams, uh, Dr. Chow, is so valuable on so many fantasy teams at this point, and and also equally as valued to the Packers. They simply have just been using a mash unit at wide receiver. Do you think that it's a, just an easy plug-in for Adams at this point? I do. It will be. But remember, next week, Green Bay has the bye, and this is how it plays into it. It's not just about the injury. All week leading up to, to the game on Monday, I said Julio Jones for Atlanta was more likely to play than Devontae Adams. That's not to say that Devontae was more injured. What I was saying is the Packers are always conservative. They're undefeated at 3-0. They have a bye week coming up next, and perhaps they don't want to risk Devontae Adams a setback where he misses more games. It's, it's uh, discretion is a better part of value. Rest him this Monday. Give him the additional time off till the next week with the bye and know he will be 100%. Whereas Julio Jones, even if he was worse than Devontae Adams, and he may have been, was going to try and play because A, he's Julio Jones. B, it's the Falcons who are 0-3 with their backs against the wall. And he valiantly tried to play, re-aggravated it, and did not come back for the second half. Yeah, and I and I think that that's where we'll go next here, uh, Dr. Chow, with the Atlanta Falcons, who are certainly trending in the wrong direction for sure. Having not won a game, uh, you kind of wonder at this point if they will push Julio Jones moving forward. Uh, Calvin Ridley was was essentially on the field, but a no show in that game on Monday night. Is, is there any solace for fantasy owners to say, hey, look, maybe in a couple of weeks these guys are perfectly fine? I mean, there's a coach clearly fighting for his job at this point. I mean, he wants those guys on the field, but this has got to be a really tough situation because those guys have been so dynamic. There's no question it's very, very tough situation. And, you know, uh, teams that have gone 0-4 in recent NFL history, the last team to make the playoffs was all the way back in 1992, the San Diego Chargers. And that was so long ago, I wasn't even with the team back then. That's how long ago that was. Yeah, uh, let's close with this. The Jets look like they're going with Joe Flacco <laughs> coming up this weekend, Dr. Chow. What is this injury, this new injury to Sam Darnold where, that, that could potentially be keeping him out this weekend? Well, he played through it. In the first quarter, he landed on his right shoulder. His clavicle collarbone was fine. It was an AC joint separation. He's my beast of the week in this week's podcast because he played through that with an injection. But now the Jets are saying he's too valuable. He's not going to practice. He's a young quarterback. Let's not play him. But they already played him in week four, but let's be careful and not play him in week five. And I actually have an article coming out about that at OutKick, analyzing some of the Jets' uh, communication issues with the public on medical issues. Mm, yeah, no, that's always uh, very tough. Uh, before we let you go, Dr. Chow, any other, you think, key injury that we haven't talked about here in the NFL that, that fantasy owners should be keeping an eye on this week? Anything coming up in your OutKick article or podcast? Well, uh, one interesting thing is Drew Locke should be getting close to returning. And Drew Locke had essentially the same injury as Josh Allen, yet Josh Allen hasn't missed any time. 
came back the same game and will continue to play. It's not that Josh Allen is tougher than Drew Locke. It's that Josh's same shoulder injury was on his non-throwing shoulder versus Drew Locke on his throwing shoulder. And that makes all the difference in the world in terms of what's happening. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo is getting close, too. All right. So those are a couple of players that we'll keep an eye on. Of course, people can follow Dr. Chow. Uh, on his website, profootballdoc.com, you can follow him on Twitter, at profootballdoc. And each and every Sunday from morning to night, he is going through all of the injuries, all the information. And Dr. Chow, we'll look forward to catching up with you again soon. I know that your podcast is certainly great. And uh, where would we be without getting that uh, key information each week? So thank you so much again for coming on Fantasy Sports today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, Dr. David Chow with us here on FST Fantasy Sports Today. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick time out here on the show, and Joe and I will come back. We'll talk about some of the things that Dr. Chow and I discussed as far as injuries are concerned, who are some potential waiver wire pickups this week, and also the latest, of course, in Major League Baseball. Follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. Follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid, and go to SportsGrid.com for the latest news information from fantasy and wagering examples as well. We got to take a quick break. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today after this quick timeout. So make sure you stay on the grid. We're back in just two minutes. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. In addition to the game in the National League beginning in 30 minutes from now, we have a ton of baseball still on deck for you. We've discussed the National League quite a bit. Now let's take a look at the American League as we preview those games coming up later today. And Joe, let's start off at 335 Eastern today where the Oakland Athletics are going to take on the Houston Astros in game three of their series. Houston leads the series two games to none. Right now the line is about even. Basically could go either way in this one. Oakland will have rookie Jesus Lazardo starting for them. And for Houston, it's Jose Urquidy who will make the start for the Houston Astros, of course. Houston has certainly shown the ability to battle back. And the other part of this is they have shown is the ability to forget about what happened during the regular season because they have looked completely different here in the postseason. And George Springer, who has been phenomenal for them, breaking all kinds of records in terms of their postseason work, talked after the game yesterday and basically said that they have turned a different light on here in the postseason and never for one second did he think that there was any level of distrust within his own guys. Um, well, one, no. Um, I've played with all these guys my whole career. Um, I know what they can do. I've seen it happen day in and day out for uh, six-plus years, and, and I believe in them, um, you know, us as a team believes in each other. Yeah, sure. You know, we we, we had a, a a little bit of a um, a harder year this year, and I I, I think um, we we expect to play well all the time. And when you don't, it it, it is a, a little bit hard. But um, it's fun. You know that this is this is this is a team that believes in one another, sticks together, um, and or really really tries to enjoy the day. And Joe, if, if Houston was up against a different team, I would certainly think that there would be a, a chance, some chance that that team could come back. But 
in a short series such as this, a five-game series, once you take a 2-0 lead and there's no home field advantage whatsoever, that's really a big key to this, too. Mm-hmm. Is uh, Look, baseball's home field advantage is not what some of the other sports are. But you're playing on a neutral site here, and given where we stand here with three games to go for Oakland, it, it would be hard-pressed for me to see them winning three games in a row. What is going right for Oakland at this point? Well, you get the news earlier today, Dusty Baker says that that Zach Greinke, there's no structural damage to his arm, but that's news because we didn't know that there was any damage at all, and now this guy may not be available to pitch not only in this series, but maybe even moving forward. And and look, Houston has done a great job of forgetting what happened during the regular season. Their players have come up big here in the postseason. And now I think it's only a matter of when they wrap up the series against Oakland as opposed to if, even if the A's win today. And certainly the line does indicate that the A's have a great shot of at least getting one game in the series. They do, but I think there's a sense of urgency right now for the Houston Astros because of this Granky injury. So if his arm is sore, he's going through a dead arm period, whatever it might be, you want to win this game, you want to win this series, and then you want to let the Rays and Yankees pound on each other for five. That's what you want to do. You want to try to order it in a rotation, and maybe, just maybe, you get Granky to a point where he does some bullpens and he's starting to feel a little bit better. But there's a huge blow to this rotation. Uh, it was tough enough to lose Justin Verlander in this rotation. Granky was that one piece, I think, when you look at the entire roster that you just could ill afford to lose. And if he is unable to go forward in the next series, if they should win, that's going to be a huge blow for their chances, without a doubt. Look, Yaquidi's pitched well at moments. There's no doubt about that. Lance McCullers at home has pitched well. On the road was terrible. Now that you take that home factor away for him for the entire playoffs in a neutral slide, who knows what that's going to end up being. And then, of course, there's Framber Valdez, who has really stepped up in this void. And I thought to me he was the most impressive guy of that whole bunch uh, throughout the season, certainly the most consistent of those three guys. So if you're Houston right now, there is urgency. You want to win this game. You want to take care of business and you want to try to give everybody a couple of days off because this is a team that's had a ton of injuries throughout this shortened season. And when Springer, you know, I was looking at him and we were just talking about him kind of uh, in between breaks too. And, you know, his average is somewhere around 30, 90 with a hundred run score. That's his average 160 game season or so. The problem is he's missed time in pretty much every season since 2016. So he only played 140 games there a couple times. Obviously last year missed a ton of time. And this year, shortened season, he take it with a grain of salt, but missed some time as well. Uh, Springer's going to be 31 years old. He is going to break the bank. He is a game-changing kind of player, great leadership kind of guy too. And I think that a team – like the Texas Rangers would be wise to go after him. I think he would be a game changer. Who knows? Maybe he does go back to the Northeast. Maybe the Mets open up the pocketbook. I doubt that they do. But Springer, I think, is a really good player. I just wonder about what kind of investment you want to make in a player long term who's already going to be 31. And this is what happens in Major League Baseball free agency now. And we've seen it happen before. Do you think he's going to get a six or seven year contract when all said and done? Or you think with the CBA coming up and everything else, he might have to settle for more like a five year deal? It's very unpredictable. No one really knows the answer because you know how these teams work. They sort of, mm-hmm. they collude without colluding. And that's the best way to put it. They, <laughs> they, they all get together and determine what they're going to do. And they set the barometer for what they're going to spend. And for me in particular, Springer's the number one guy. So it certainly would be a great sign if he got six years, 200 million. It'd be a horrible sign if he got three years and 100 million. That just kind of shows you what they're willing to spend. But I can't predict that right now. I don't think anybody can. And if they tried to, they'd be lying to you because no one knows for sure. All right. Now, tonight at 710 Eastern, 
It will be game three in the American League Division Series between the Tampa Bay Rays and New York Yankees. And as you can see, the Yankees are indeed favored in this game today. Starting for the Rays, no stranger to the postseason, always comes up in the big moments. It is Charlie Morton. He will be on the mound. For the Yankees, many thought Masahiro Tanaka should have started game two. He will start tonight in game three. And so if the Yankees win... It really won't make a difference that they lost yesterday because they still would have the advantage in this series. After the game last night, one of the main reasons why Tampa Bay was able to come out with that win, of course, is because of their bullpen and their starting pitching. And the Rays struck out 18 batters yesterday. Nick Anderson is one of the reasons for that. He had four strikeouts of his own and talked about that record being broken. Well, I, I think that's we've been doing that all year long, really. Um, we got a lot of a lot of velo in the pen. A lot of, I mean, everybody in the pen's nasty. So, um, you know, everybody gets a lot of strikeouts, and I, I guess it's just something cool to hold the record. To, I don't, it doesn't matter, doesn't matter to me. But, uh, I, you know, I think winning the game is more important than than getting a bunch of strikeouts. So, I'd rather take zero strikeouts and win the game than have, you know. So, Joe, at this stage. The the series is tied. It now goes basically to a three-game series where it's it, – what I like most about this series is the fact that you really can say it's super unpredictable. I, I don't think that mm -hmm. you have a real gauge on the better team. They're very equal, every sense of the word. They do things differently, and the Rays don't have a payroll. The Yankees do, so naturally a lot of people are rooting for Tampa Bay to get past this, and I think that Tampa Bay was the clear favorite in the American League going into the postseason. But if the Yankees hit, that takes that dynamic out of what Tampa Bay basically does, which is the Rays in general, even though they won 7-5 yesterday, are not going to win in a lot of slugfests. So I certainly can't say that I know what Charlie Morton is going to be. I know last time what Charlie Morton was against the Yankees when he was with Houston. Is he still that guy? It's not particularly clear. I don't think that you'll see more than five innings out of either of these two starters mm -hmm. today. The games have been running pretty long, four hours for a lot of these games, teams taking pitches, getting on base, and that's part of the dynamic. But I guess the question is, is it simply put, the winner of this game wins the series, or does it go to five regardless? Uh, I think it's going to probably go to five regardless. It just feels like it's stacking up to be one of those kind of series because either are two teams that know each other very well and I think are pretty evenly matched. And you're right, this is going to get decided in the bullpen. Masahiro Tanaka only had two starts all year where he went past the sixth inning. So I would not be looking forward to him getting out of the fifth in this one. It would be very surprising if he did. Most of those game log stats, when you go back and look at Tanaka, is a lot of five and a third, five, five, five and two thirds. I mean, it's really asking a lot for him to kind of pitch deep into this game, which means it's going to be in the bullpens. And if you think that favors Nick Anderson in the Rays, I can understand why. Uh, but look, a lot of the power has really been the deciding factor here too. Austin Meadows going yard or Rosarena, if he can stay uh, on this track that he's on right now, he's been outstanding. I saw a breakdown of a Rosarena uh, this morning on MLB Network that was fascinating too because what's different about his swing right now is not a launch angle or something like that. He's actually leveled off his swing, which is funny. It's something that, you know, kind of more of an old school hitting technique where you're really just staying level through the plane of the zone there. And the bat is, and he's making really solid contact all over the place. And sometimes that ball is jumping off the bat, even with the level swing, and it's taking off. And really, it's kind of just going through the baseball, where Rosarena was kind of going under things, and obviously the pitch selection hadn't been as good. So the Rays have taken a guy who's got a lot of talent, and they found a way to get the most out of him, which is basically what the Rays do. And that's the one thing that I think going into this 
season that was lacking for me. I didn't know it was going to be Satsugo. Who was it going to be to step up and kind of be another bat in this lineup? Because it needed to be somebody. I didn't think it was going to be a Rosarena. I don't think anybody did. They've got that guy now. And that is a game changer for the Rays. That allows them to keep pace because it's not just Austin Meadows in this lineup by himself. A Rosarena is a guy you got to get out. You got to make sure you have a plan for right now. And I think you're right. Going into next year, you want to talk about sleepers and fantasy as we all like to do. That's definitely being a guy who's going to be on everybody's sleeper board. There's no doubt about that. And it might even ruin him. He might end up going so high in ADP that it becomes dangerous. But at least for right now, I think he and that bullpen of the Rays really do push this series potentially to five games. And I think that's going to be good for baseball as well. And that's even more imperative why Houston should win. You got to get that W now. You need some rest. You need to get right here because you want the Yankees to potentially go to that fifth game or even the Rays to go to that fifth game, whoever you face. If you are, I think, the Houston Astros right now, winning and taking care of the A's is imperative. Yeah, and, and at this stage with the way that Houston has gone, if if they can wrap it up and not let the Yankees and Rays set things up, maybe potentially, if it isn't a serious injury for Granke in a seven-game series, you can pencil him in for game four, no matter what happens. Right. And, and that would be, if I'm not mistaken, almost almost two weeks away, so they would have a chance mm -hmm. with, with him for that. Okay, coming up next, it's time for us to end things with a little fantasy or reality, and then we will have the Sports Grid 60, and we'll be back on the show again tomorrow. Andrew Erickson will join us, and Joe and Andrew will go over some of the potential options for you on the waiver wire and look at some of the forward-moving stats in fantasy. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today here on Sports Grid and SportsGrid.com. Stay on the grid. Stay right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. It's Fantasy Sports Today, giving you a quick injury update around the NFL the head coach of the Falcons, Dan Quinn, says Julio Jones looks like a game-time decision coming up this Sunday against the Carolina Panthers. Of course, we'll update you on all the news and injury information on tomorrow's show once everyone is off the practice field. But those of you who are getting ready for the waiver wire, in the first hour of the show, we covered all of the different players that are potentially out there for you to pick up. So if you're just tuning in, or maybe you're just tuning in for us on the first time, all of our shows are posted on our website, sportsgrid.com, and on our YouTube page as well, which is, of course, called SportsGrid. So head over there, set your notifications to on. You won't miss any of the discussions that we have here on the show. That would include, of course, fantasy or reality. And so we will end the show, as we always do, with three hot questions. And again, Fantasy or reality, more or less true or false, but we change the wording around and give our opinions as we get ready to get out of here, here on this Wednesday, and I'll be tuning on my television to see the Marlins and Braves. So, Joe, you ready to roll here? I'm ready. Let's do it. You got a ball game to cover, so uh, we'll move swiftly through these. Okay, let's start off. Question number one, fantasy or reality? Dwayne Haskins has played in his last game for the Washington football team now if we use mm -hmm. washington football team that's going to definitely be reality because they're going to change their name so just to be more specific washington is what we're using here Dwayne haskins will play has played his last game for washington fantasy reality <laughs> 
I'm going to say fantasy. Uh, I think at some point in time, maybe injury or circumstance, he gets one more shot at it potentially as time goes on. But, you know, I would love to see Alex Smith be healthy enough to get in their shot too, just because I think it would be a really good story. But uh, this is tough. I mean, Haskins basically has not shown you any progress, I think, in the last year or so. And I think he was working uphill battle anyway because with Ron Rivera and this new group coming in, you knew that they were going to want to kind of bring their own people in. I, I think it's great that they gave him a fair shot, and I do think he did get a fair shot. So nobody could say, well, Dwayne Haskins was uh, always doomed to fail there when Ron Rivera took over. I don't think that's the case. I was actually surprised how fair of a shot he got because oftentimes you'll see a new coaching regime and a new a personnel department come in and just completely clean house. But you know what? He didn't have a preseason. He did have, uh, you know, at least some sort of work there in practice, obviously enough that they thought he would be the starter this year. But, you know, maybe the writing was on the wall when Kyle Allen came with him. And Kyle Allen, like you said last before in the last segment, you know, Kyle Allen did have a couple moments last year before the wheels came off and all the interceptions started to come around. So I don't think Kyle Allen is a huge upgrade, but having seen enough Kyle Allen and having seen enough Dwayne Haskins, I think I give a better chance of winning football games in the short time with Kyle Allen. And right now, for the Washington football team, that is paramount. That is the most important thing because this division is completely wide open. And maybe, just maybe, by the time we hit November, it's not anymore. And Washington can maybe throw Haskins in there for another game or two and see if there's anything left in this tank. Or maybe it will be Alex Smith. But I think you'll see Haskins at least one more time for the Washington football team this year. I just think it just seems to be where things are headed, which is kind of in a in a big circle, unfortunately, for Washington. How about you, Greg? Fantasy reality. Is this Haskins' last dance? Yeah, I'll also say fantasy. And, and, and look, they have to give this kid another opportunity. The problem is, is that they're in the race. They're going for it. They want to win right now. And they don't think that Haskins gives them the best opportunity to win. I think if this goes south quickly, they'll put Haskins back in because they're going to want to see him play and finish out the season. On top of that, if this was the end of the year and we asked this question, I would probably say reality. But this does remind me a lot, Joe, of Josh Rosen in Arizona a ton. <laughs> The only yeah. difference is at this point is I don't know that another team is going to give up a second round pick for Josh Rosen. And of all the moves that Miami made, and they've made a lot of good moves, including their drafts and getting those picks for the Houston Texans. Think about that. They gave away a second round pick uh, for Rosen and never even really played him. So I think that Haskins ends up on another team, gets an opportunity after the end of the year. Maybe some team gives up a fifth or a sixth. I mean, that, that seems to be reasonable to take a shot. It would have to be a team that's going the other way next year. We'd have to look at a team this year, like like the Bears, starting over completely. Maybe they take Haskins and, and give up a fifth-round pick and a draft or a consideration. And maybe he's fighting for a job next year to start the season. Perfect example of a team that could happen to. But for this year, I'm going to say fantasy, and I think that he gets in probably before week 10 or week 11 again. To let him sit down, let him watch, bring him back in to finish out the season. So fantasy for me. Yeah. Okay, it's so fantasy or reality. I think that Rosen at one point, excuse me, I didn't want to interrupt you, but it's so fascinating, mm -hmm. isn't it, to think that just a couple years later, so many scouts were telling you that Josh Rosen in that draft class was the most NFL-ready quarterback probably. They could just kind of slide into an offense and roll with. And where is he right now? The practice squad of the Tampa Bay Bucks. I mean, that's crazy in three years how a stock could drop that precipitously. And here we are, you know, Baker Mayfield still trying to figure things out. Sam Darnold obviously still working that boulder uphill. And then Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson looking like MVPs. Who would have thought? Yeah, definitely the case. Okay, let's move to some baseball and let's go over to the New York Yankees and fantasy or reality. If the Yankees lose to the Rays in the American League Division Series, their manager, Aaron Boone, 
is at fault. Specifically, if we wanted to expand, it would be at fault for starting Davey Garcia in game two and then pulling him after an inning. Fantasy or reality, Joe, it will be Aaron Boone's fault if they lose this series. That's a tough one. I mean, at the end of the day, the players play, but, you know, I don't know if the one inning of Davey Garcia was the best idea. Uh, I think in retrospect, maybe his back was against the wall, the other options. Maybe they just thought glass now was not a game they were going to win. I don't know, but I want to blame the Yankees. I don't want to blame Aaron Boone. However, I think people will. So I'm going to say reality because I guess that's going to be the perception and they're going to blame it on game two. And what was Aaron Boone thinking? Why do you do that? We could have won that game. The Yankees could have won that game. And knowing what I know from my many, many years growing up and living in New York, I would say that's probably going to be the narrative. So I'm going to say reality. Aaron Boone will take the heat. I don't know if that's fair. I don't know if that's not fair. At the end of the day, players win and lose games. I mean, managers oftentimes put players in bad positions potentially, and this was not a good position to win a ball game. But I think the perception will be it will be Aaron Boone's fault if they lose. What do you think, Craig? Yeah, I'll say fantasy, but the way it could play out would be reality. It, it, it seems to me if this goes five games that we'll be talking about some other topic and probably forget about game two. But at the same time, if for some reason the Yankees lose today and lose tomorrow, I think you're absolutely going to look back and think that it was a reality and it was Boone's fault because, again, they only lost that game seven to five. If they had any viable pitching in that game, they could have won. So it is a fantasy for me. I think that something else will happen, game four, game five, that we'll look back and say that was the difference in the series. But certainly, if the Rays win the next two, it will be a reality. So I don't know if I really answered that question very well. But I'll say fantasy. I'll say fantasy for that. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Let's close it out here with, with a little tribute here to Eddie Van Halen, the great guitarist from Van Halen, who passed away yesterday after a battle with cancer. And certainly the rock and roll world has been weighing in on social media and on television and everywhere else, calling Eddie Van Halen the greatest guitarist of all time. And uh, fantasy reality, Joe, you have seen a Van Halen concert in person. True or false? Fantasy or reality? This is an unfortunate fantasy. Uh, Big fan. Always loved the Van Halen. Uh, Eddie Van Halen, obviously, a guitar genius. Somebody who was able to make... I mean, what that guy was able to do in the way he changed rock guitar playing forever. Uh, I don't know if anybody will ever really do that. Uh, I often say that that trio of great guitarists of all time, there's there's a group of them you can have different arguments about. Obviously, Clapton's in that. And Eddie Van Halen said Clapton was his big inspiration. I always put Prince in that conversation. I always put Jimi Hendrix in that conversation. Prince is fascinating because he could play all the stuff that Jimmy could and all the stuff that Van Halen could. And that is not an easy stretch in terms of styles of guitar, but so unique. And I was always a big fan of Van Halen. My dad used to tape because we did not have MTV growing up in Brooklyn. He used to tape a show called Friday Night Videos. And I used to be able to see like, you know, at the time, whoever the big artists were and Van Halen was definitely one of them in those, you know, mid 80s. It was around the Jump album and all that and getting to see Eddie Van Halen play guitar and just kind of sitting there. And every Saturday morning, I'd pop in the VHS tape from the night before and Saturday morning, I'd have my cereal and watch Friday night videos from the night before. And that's how I became introduced to Van Halen and David Lee Roth. And who could believe that David Lee Roth outlived Eddie Van Halen? I'm sure nobody would have had that in any sort of wager at any point in time. Uh, But what what an incredible skill set. What incredible imagination. What incredible genius. Uh, Musical genius is the best way to put it. And uh, I even liked Van Hagar. I mean, come on, baby, finish what you started. There's some good tunes there with Sammy Hagar. So I like both incarnations. I know that's not a very popular take, but Eddie Van Halen, I mean, gone too soon, man, 65 years old. And uh, 
just a uh, just very sad. It's like 2020 just keeps kicking you in the nuts every chance it gets, and we keep losing these iconic people that are really part of the fabric of us as people in our lives. You know, not just our youth, but our lives. I mean, Van Halen, that was one of those CDs when you had CDs still in cars, you'd pop in there and you'd crank up Panama with the windows down and you'd feel cool for like three and a half minutes. I, I know I needed that once in a while, but I'm going to ask you, Craig, have you ever seen Van Halen in concert? I know you had a couple years on me and I know you're a big concert guy. Uh, I'm guessing you just kind of blew them off for Billy Joel for the thousandth time, but I'm going to ask you anyway, have you ever seen Van Halen live? A lot of rock and roll concerts and never saw Van Halen. So it's a fantasy for sure. Yeah, Bummer. never saw either either side of it with David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar. I don't know why. Like there, there are some groups that I look back on now that you can't see them anymore. And I wonder, how did that slip by me? And living in a pretty big city like South Florida, who I'm sure that they came through and I could look and see if they went to the Orange Bowl or somewhere else. But yeah, I never, I never went and never saw them in concert before. So that was a blind spot of mine that, I'm not going to be able to do, you know, the other one that I missed here and he came to Gainesville a number of times was Tom Petty. I don't know how I didn't see Tom Petty once oh, live, but that was a bummer too. Yeah. Another, another yeah. one too. By, by the way, Tom I'm Petty confused here for a second. You, you, you said that, that you did not have MTV, but then you popped now in a tape. Did. So I don't understand that. How did that, how did that happen? No, there was a show. It was on local in New York called Friday night videos. And they would show like the Michael Jackson, Madonna, Van Halen, John Cougar, Mellencamp. And they would show like a half hour of videos and it wasn't MTV. It was like another video show. Oh, I don't know right. how the rights and how that worked. So it was a special called Friday night videos. And it was this terrible graphic and all this stuff. And for a half hour, you get whatever, you know, the Cindy Lauper girls just want to have fun, whatever that was. But right. that was it. Like for me, that was the closest I got to MTV with those VHS. Why didn't you have MTV? It. it just wasn't available? Well, I, I, I don't know. Cable in Brooklyn at the time, I don't know if it was like a really big deal. We didn't have cable until we moved out to Jersey in the late 80s. So uh, I don't know. Maybe my dad was just cheap and <laughs> at the end of the day. But, but he always taped Friday night videos for me. And like I said, that's how I got to see right. all the antics of uh, – of Van Halen and some of the others. I showed my daughters actually the Eruption Live uh, performance there where Eddie's just, you know, going a million miles an hour and they both watched it in awe and they made me rewind a part of it because they couldn't figure out where the sound and how it was coming out of the guitar that fast. And uh, it's it's a marvel. It was He was like almost a performance artist. And you get that sometimes with the rock and roll guitarists. You know, they all have their MO, but there was something special about Eddie Van Halen specifically that he didn't play like anybody else. And that's what made him so special. And then after him, a lot of people tried to play like him and nobody could sure. quite match him. But well, I mean, to watch him play guitar was equally as special as it was to listen to him play guitar, which was a really cool thing. Yeah. And, uh, and, and look, you're right. 2020 has been, I mean, what a disaster this whole year has been. I mean, Bob, well, you already turned the page. I mean, you know, you already turned the page. You had the new year a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I'm still living in 2020. That's true. So. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've already moved on to, to next year. I'm, I'm already going to have to start apologizing for the last week next year for Yom Kippur. <laughs> okay, so we got the Sports Grid 60 coming up next, and then we'll say so long for the day. But you can stay right here on Sports Grid or watch our videos and audio on demand, whatever you want, 24-7. Just go to sportsgrid.com. You can learn all about us and our great shows that we do here. Personally, one of the shows that I'll watch later on, Game Live, give you live odds, live betting odds, as the guys usually watch the games, or girls. Ariel's on that show, too. 
and update you on everything that's happening in sports. So make sure you stay tuned for that. That's coming up a little bit later on. But we'll have it for 60 next. Stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. It is SportsGrid here on Fantasy Sports Today. You'll want to tune in to our show tomorrow because Andrew Erickson will be along to give us the best fantasy football advice that we possibly can going into next week. But before we get to tomorrow, we got to wrap up today. So let's turn it over to Joe Pizapia for his Sports Grid 60. Joe? Well, if the reporting by Paul Kahersky is correct and the rumors are true that the Titans were practicing and getting together when they were told not to by the NFL, and this is a big if here until this is all proven out then that's just a terrible job by this organization from top to bottom, from coaches, GMs, owners, all the way down. And they should be forced to forfeit whatever the next game is. And this is just my opinion I'm putting out there because not only have you put the rest of your teammates and the rest of the NFL season in jeopardy as well, but how about just the health of everybody? How about just following the rules and the protocols? You know, all the rules and the protocols and everything that was keeping everybody safe and getting these games off on every Sunday. And now all of a sudden I understand you're frustrated. I understand you want to get back out there and compete. But my goodness, at what expense? What is the expense eventually of that competitive spirit? Is it life and death? I certainly hope not. But I'll say this. If this report turns out to be true, and that is a big if, bad job on the Titans, and they should get whatever is coming to them. Yeah, it could be a forfeit. We'll see. And and in the rec- in the rule book, it says that a forfeit is officially 2-0. That would be <clears throat> excuse me, the final score there. I'm going to stay on with football, and as we close out the show, another report of a potential moved game due to uh, a potential hurricane. They could be moving the Saints and Chargers to Indianapolis. Now, why do I bring this up? I don't think that that has a major effect on the game itself, but if you signed up to play fantasy football this season, as I did, so I understand that it's going to be difficult, it's going to be tough. You cannot complain about the massive amount of injuries and the massive amount of COVID tests that are derailing your fantasy football team. Is this season a joke? I mean, we're not quite there yet, but we are sort of trending in that direction. It's just basically the most healthy team at the end of the season ends up winning. So what do you do at this point? You make your moves. You can't sit on a waiver wire Wednesday or a Thursday hoping that your players are gonna play on Sunday. That's not the way that it works this year. Get on it now. That'll do it for the show. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on Facebook. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.